Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is episode 48, Act 2, Ashraf Hasham, Justice is the GPS, recorded October 1st, 2021. Screaming about irrevocability Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches And fight our own way free Cause the rules don't lie but they don't apply to people like you and me Let's start it up now 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 Now they say it's all decided, all divided, all laid out and the pushcart man with a three-part plan Can't understand what you're shouting about But when the past they plow The lives allowed are the only roads you can see Just remember the walls were built to fall For people like you and me Let's start it up now Let's start it up now Let's start it up now Let's start it up now, start it up now. Start it up now. Hey, hey, TA audience. Welcome to Teaching Artistry Podcast. This podcast is researched, recorded, and produced on the unceded lands, water, and air, stewarded by the Canarsie and Muncie Lenape peoples in what is currently known as Brooklyn, New York. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of our global community. Invite your peeps, your colleagues, your friends to join our community and subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and now we're on Spotify. And really, you can listen to us on any one of your favorite podcast players follow us on facebook twitter and instagram and head over to teachingrsg.org check out our user-friendly website to access episodes guest bios video series and much much more so we're rounding up the end of 2021 um i don't know about you but i have felt pretty reflective in different cycles throughout this entire year um I've talked a lot about the different ways that I do that through my accountability posts on Instagram and Facebook around swimming. Um, but usually I'm using that time um, in the pool to think about things and just sort of open up a, a portal <laughs> um, to different aspects of my brain or my heart or my feelings, my soul, etc. cetera. Um, but today uh, I went to a holiday Zoom party and the moderators of the party so beautifully crafted together um fun games and from moments of a connection and lovely uh, moments of reflection and one of the last uh agenda items for the party was to write a letter to yourself your future self about 2021 and there were a series of prompts that you could choose from i don't remember all of them but um i remember the one that sort of resonated with me which was um uh, what is something that you learned in 2021 that you don't want to forget and something that you're proud of? And so I, I very hastily wrote, you know, in my, my, I don't know if anybody's ever seen my handwriting it is cuckoo bananas. Um, is, and sometimes I have trouble <laughs> reading it, but this is what I wrote. Um, so you found a way to give to others while giving to yourself uh, you've given yourself the gift of creativity by exploring um, and joining a troupe, which is a New York City queer playback theater, which is an improv-based um, theater that's about storytelling and deep listening. You have prioritized space, giving yourself space, and that can that has looked a lot of different ways. Again, y'all have heard of all about this, prioritizing swimming, um, community, um, connecting to community, uh, doing what makes sense for, for you. Um, for me, it's been, you know, finding different times in the year where I could spend three to four weeks in another part of the country, embedding myself in somebody else's life for a few weeks. Um, and that has actually really helped me. So something that I learned is that I could do my job from anywhere. One, two, I, uh, I, um, I need to be with people. <laughs> I li- living alone has its perks, 
but can also in this time be really challenging. And so finding a way to sort of break up that, um, that, that living uh, circumstance or style um, in a way that also feeds me was important. Um, and I'm proud that I, I took the initiative to do that. Um, then I opened up my heart a little bit. It's been closed for a long time and going through a grieving process and actually allowing myself to go through the grieving process. Um, and then also really uh, committing myself to a health journey. So these are things that I'm very proud of and things that I've learned inside of that. There's many things, but I think the biggest thing is that I am, I am my best advocate and, um, and I deserve that. I need to advocate for myself and I am the one who deserves it. Um, that I'm able to set goals for myself outside of like a work environment and actually accomplish them. Um, and, um, that I need accountability. <laughs> I need other people to know about it so that I keep pushing myself in, in a good way. Um, again, when it's a positive things and I wrote something else. Hold on. I'm turning the page. Ah, uh, yes. Give yourself grace and breathe and find ways to slow the pace down to what it, you need it to be. So I want to thank those moderators. Um, for giving me something to think about, something to share here with you all. Um, and I ask you to think for yourself, you know, what is it, what are some things that, that you're proud of, some things that you've learned this year that you don't want to forget, that you want to bring forward into how 2022 evolves and rolls out. Um, we're living in a funky time. We're living in a, in a, in a, a time where we all we all have to think differently um, and be, and some of it is potentially for the positive. Other parts of it is incredibly hard. Um, and so, I think the biggest thing for, that I'm taking away uh, right now, at least, is yeah, the grace part and um, understanding that it's okay that the grind is not. Um, Leaning in is good, but being able to take space for yourself is also super important, which we talked about in Act One. Um, so that that I leave that there. That's my reflection <laughs> for you. Um, so before we go into um, starting the episode, I, I would like to dedicate this episode to two beautiful humans that we've lost recently. Uh, feminist author, critic, activist, Bell Hooks, mm, incredible loss, and dancer, choreographer, Nani Chen, who founded Nani Chen Dance Company. Um, we, we had a chance to meet virtually earlier this, he this year, um, and I was taken aback at learning of, of, of passing. So uh, again, I'd like to dedicate this episode to, to both of these humans who have made incredible impacts in the work that they do and with the people who they had direct contact with. Um, so in the conclusion of this conversation, I'm just going to tell you something that gets cut out of this is that um, towards the end of this conversation, I thought that my device stopped recording. So I was worried that we weren't going to have an episode with Ashraf. And uh turns out that it was just a warning that my device was just like, your memory card is full. And I, I took care of that. So um, luckily, we have had this great conversation with Ashraf. Um, and in this conclusion... Uh, we learn more about the work that Ashraf does, but also his upbringing and how how he was involved or, or how arts engagement uh, surrounded him, quite literally around him as a kid and how that sort of manifests into uh, a career path for himself. Um, we continue to talk about justice uh, and... Um, you know, leaning in and doing this work and doing it from an authentic, a place of authenticity. 
and you know, we just vibe. <laughs> I just, I just love this guy so much. So I hope you are enjoying it as much as I've been enjoying listening to it and re-listening to it. So here is episode 48, act two, Ashraf Hasham, justice is the GPS. There is so much work that I feel like the, um, the teaching our SNR institution with the staff, but they're really leading it so much. Like, I mean, we're definitely there, but they're, I feel like they're leading it. And that's been my instinct and sort of strategy has been to sort of get out of the way and be like, what do you, what do you want this to be? I mean, I, I, you know, I have some vision, but I'm also like, I let me get out of the way. Good leadership is getting out of the way. Ooh, I hope so. I really do. Because sometimes I'm like, oh, am I giving enough? I don't know. But I definitely like... You're getting people to, to be their best selves. They're excited about it. They're going for it. No, there's so much leaning in that is beautiful. And I'm here for it because like how they go about things are not necessarily the way I would have set them up, but they're still, we're all going for the same goal. Now we're getting creative and and putting it into like, how does the, that work that we're doing and reprioritizing our goals and our values using with uh, infusing it and being very much more intentional about anti-racism and social justice. How, how are we going to start to actually take action and let's, let's use some of the work that we've created, the content work as a way to say like, how are we going to, how would we shift this content that we didn't necessarily think about from thinking in terms of thinking about social justice or anti-racism like what does this lesson plan or activity look like now what and the and 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 they have this whole meta it's just like that's mind-blowing i would never have come up with that so if i was trying to lead this it would be completely different and it wouldn't necessarily have all this beautiful artistry and, and creativity on so i don't know maybe i don't know there's this like braiding threading that is happening that is beautiful wow and exciting and I don't know exactly where it's going to go which is even more exciting. I feel like my responsibility actually is to help com- continue to illuminate what's happening over here and say how do how can what does that look like over here in this more administrative world? What does that look like? Cuz the staff are doing exactly that like okay if we're doing this if we're making these kinds of changes when it comes to how we're how we're building content what we're valuing then we also have to relook at how we're making work offers. We have to relook at, the, so they're doing other s- systems work that's prem- predicated on how we're changing the values or reprioritizing the values, right? So I, I that's where I'm, str- so I'm struggling, you know, I'm a VP now, so I gotta, I gotta be thinking about the whole institution, which I never used to do before, not, not like this at least. And now I'm like, ooh, how how can I be a Ashraf? Actually, how do I help, like, help everybody understand? Like, this is how this team is working. How can we work like this over here, <laughs> and better embed and thread anti-racism into everything? Not just have you know a weekly meeting that's focused on anti-racism, but actually like thread it into our comms conversations, our production conversations, or this or that, our working groups. And it, it's, it does happen. So I don't want to, I don't want to say that it's not happening, but I think like we, it's time for us to step it up a notch. And, and I don't know if people understand, like I had said over a year ago, I was like, this is only the beginning. Like, if you think this is hard now, like just wait, because we have, nothing has actually begun yet. You haven't started. I haven't started. Like nothing's happened yet. So like this is just the beginning and get like get ready and lean the fuck in. Um so thanks for letting me go on that little trip. Well it sounds like there's like what what image came to mind for me as you were talking actually came back to music for me which was like layers, right? You're sampling a bunch of these layers but those layers aren't they're syncopated the beats, right? Like that's not the beats you're going for, right? Like, so something in there is not working and maybe a couple of the layers need to be a little more refined and, and tightened up and like recalibrated to the beat. And um, that takes buy-in. It takes time. Mm-hmm. It takes uh, turnover sometimes, you know, let's be real. Yeah. And it takes, um, 
sometimes a little bit of that extra oomph that only uh, Whoopi Goldberg playing Eddie can do. You know, like sometimes it just takes like see, learning Russian, right? That. Like <laughs> home learn Russian. Russian to talk yeah. to one of the players who she's trying to just get to learn how to take a charge, right? And then she was helping like bring somebody's marriage back and like you know talking to the ex-wife and like getting them back together again on the low. Like that's 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 commitment, you know. Like you have to get personal personal with people's lives yeah. for them to know it's personal for you right your life like this is this is personal it's yeah. intermingled into our identities we talked about it right like how do we let them know <laughs> shit's personal you guys yeah it is personal it is personal and I, I think it's it's um I find for myself I find my pat like my passion is very clear my passion for making change is very clear. What I tend to struggle with, I think, is helping, like, you know, I go in these metaphors, right? And people just, they want to know concretely. So what does that mean? I'm like, I just education styles. Yes. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> I don't, you know, like, I'm not thinking about, like, I can't tell you, okay, well, that's going to mean that we're going to have to meet 12 times a week. Like, that's not what I'm talking about but that's what they want. And I, I don't know how to give them that. <laughs> and I don't want to, it's not a box to check. Um, a, a larger, uh, like you said, quilt and a quilt's not a box, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> they're trying to get a check a box and, and, you know, understandable, like life is hard. You know, you don't want to add another hard thing, but it's personal you guys <laughs> you know like let's be real like Kwanis, right like she's she's our she's been in all the places and she's like chain like all that's got to like burn it down burn it down fuck it up and like i'm i'm not that person i'm like i have hope and i think that if i keep saying the same things <laughs> or say them in different ways somebody's eventually gonna get it but i don't know i don't know I don't know. This week was, I didn't have the same kind of week, but I had, a, I had definite moments where I was exasperated and annoyed and like had no qualms with being like, this is not okay. Oh, oh, you're, you're upset. Why are you upset? Because you wasted my time because you're not doing, you keep saying, well, I don't know when I can do this work when I have all this other work. It's like, they're both, they're both prioritized. You have to actually integrate them. And and otherwise they will never actually get become a priority. Like you think you're putting making it a priority, but you're not. And I'm not I'm not talking about everyone. I'm just, you know, I'm t- I'm I'm thinking of like a specific person, but like Of course. It's it's like I you like the resources are literally at your fingertips. <laughs> We're here for you. And I can't, I can't do that work for you. I have to do my work and like, don't get upset when like, you know, education's using their, you know, re- reallocating funds to make sure that we're doing all this work. Like that's the priority. The prime directive is anti-racism. The prime directive is equity. So my resources go to that. And like, I, again, I, I'm not saying that my company is not doing it. They are, they are, but, <laughs> but from a, from an individual perspective, you know, the collective can only go so far if all the individuals are actually doing all the work. And that's what I'm talking about is that you can feel that there are a lot of people in my institution who are very, very invested and very, very much doing a lot of work and it's showing it is absolutely showing, but I'm, I think where I'm at is I'm not a Vanguard necessarily, but I'm definitely recognizing like now we got to move it up a notch and some people aren't, haven't even gotten on the ladder or if that's, I don't know if the ladder is the right metaphor, but like, or the escalator, whatever, the elevator, like come with us. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Get on the, on the vehicle. I love what you said about um, it being a, 
not two different things, the equity work and then the other work you have to do. Like that mm-hmm. shit's the same work. Same. That's crazy. I yeah. mean, the way you said that, I mean, I knew that, I know that to be true. We both know that to be true, but the way to hear you say it, the way you said it was very powerful for me. So keep that up. That's dope. <laughs> That's going to change the way I, I talk about <laughs> it. Right. Um, and the fact that you said like, Hey, it's showing like you're doing the work. Yeah. It's showing, but we have to mm-hmm. go above and beyond. Like it's not a performance, right? Like, yes, you no. can show it, but what's the proven that like, you know, like right. uh, flaunt it, you know, like, yeah, sure. You can flaunt it. But does that mean you're about it? You know, you know, uh, how many surveys do you get like a week? <laughs> so many surveys. I have not filled out a recent survey though. So yeah. actually somebody called me recently. It was like, um, can I, I have a, I have a survey for you. Are you Ashraf Hashim? Is this your phone number? And mm-hmm. I was like, yes. What's it about? <laughs> and it was actually like a local, like politician survey. It's like, we have, you know, November's coming up and mm-hmm. city council races and mayoral races. And, um, and they were like, so who do you support? And like, would you go like mostly favorable or somewhat right. favorable or neutral or the other way around or, and like, Oh, I was like, this, this is one of those polls I hear about on NPR. This is like yeah. cool. <laughs> That's the type of survey I'm okay with, but these, yeah, none of those surveys you're talking about. Yeah. A Google, give me a Google form. Uh... <laughs> I don't know about that. Make me feel important, valued. That... Yeah. But I, I say, you know, like, I feel like people are, are sending out. So like we, the, the art, teaching artistry, we have a, we put a survey out there. Audience, we want to know what you think about where we are and where you would like us to go. Help us out. Uh, I just need some, uh, one, three people <laughs> to say something. Um, it's fine. It's fine. We're busy. But like surveys are like a way to gather data. And what, you know, the reason why I asked that question was because we're trying to figure out like from an individual perspective, how is the work that the institution has been doing impacted you? And we've collected some data and now we're, you know, we're extending the period of time. And the one thing that I was thinking about was when somebody says strongly disagree or whatever that the, the farthest other side, and it's like what, what, what in data they would call an outlier I want to take that outlier and say, come, let's center you. Like, how do we help you get to a strongly agree? What is it going to take? Help us understand. Of course, this, these are anonymous, so I don't know who I'm asking, but like, how can we, how, but that's the conversation, right? Like somebody's saying no. So, so what do we have to do to get that person to say yes? It's an opportunity. It's an op. It's a, I see it as a great opportunity, but so far right now, that's not been the conversation. Not because it, I, because it's it's like something we have to unlearn because we learned that like oh most people are saying this, and therefore that must be like we're gonna go with the majority. But that's the same thing as going with the dominant culture. Yes, right? isn't it the same? It. Okay, I'm just, this is just like revelating for me right now. Oh my now, God, so. you were breaking it down so hard. I love this because I was like, why do I fuck with surveys so little? <laughs> but, you know, and it's, I think it's another, it's another thing too, sort of like when, if you think about social media, right? Like you'd never read the comments because there's the negative comments and it's like, no, 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 just focus on the good stuff over here. But actually, and then of course we all focus in like, go down a a spiral of like oh that person doesn't like me but in this case in this kind of case when it's like equity work you're saying no no your life hasn't changed because of anything that's happened so far thank you thank you for giving us that information now let's try and figure out what is it that we've got to do to help you start saying yes that's the kind of conversation that I want to have. And Ashraf, I'm so happy that we're having this because I wasn't, I, when I, you know, I wasn't there three weeks ago when we were talking about this and now I am and that's okay. Mm. It takes time. It does take time. And so I, I, you know, I think one of the, the other things that I feel like I'm learning in, in all of this work and working in very new different kinds of ways, really having to push past my own zones is that it's never too late. Like never too late. I've, especially me, I'm, I'm blowing past all sorts of deadlines. Anyway, I eventually catch up and then I'm behind on other deadlines. It's fine. But that work is quality because I took the time that I needed to do the thing. 
same thing here. Like, okay, I'm just getting an understanding. Like, okay, I'm starting to understand how I start to talk to people about this. The people who have power. I have power. This is my power. This is my power is to help people understand. Like, okay, I just had a breakthrough. This is what we should be talking about. And if you don't understand that, let's keep talking. Ooh. Ooh, I got chills. I feel like other people would be like, uh, duh, but uh, it's okay. It's okay. I just caught up. It's fine. I was with you the whole time. That was good. Ah, uh, chills. Oh, I don't even know. What am I asking you? Where? <laughs> oh, so, so you grew up. <laughs> we haven't even gone to your childhood. Uh, so you grew up in Seattle. Are you, uh, so were you born in Seattle? No, I was born in Pakistan, in Karachi, Pakistan, oh. and I moved to America when I was nine months old or so, uh, and um, all right, here we go, my childhood. I uh, So we moved to America, I was a babe in arms, we landed in LA, and LA was just like, I think pretty good, but not great. Um, this was like 1991, maybe, and... Um, Pops had a buddy up in uh, in the Northwest, um, not quite Seattle, a little bit outside of Seattle, but I guess me and my brother, who was three or four at the time, uh, were just like not loving the water or the air or something about it just wasn't really like landing with the us. Smog? So, the smog of the um, 90s. The smog. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. just something. It's probably, you know, I don't know what it was. <laughs> and not to say that like Karachi, which is like, one of the biggest urban sprawls like it's it's it also is very smoggy you know like couldn't have been that much different uh, but perhaps um just a different type of smog right like allergies come in anytime right just because wow. you know especially if you're like if you're if you're from another place and and like air quality is different you know like there's a lot of differences i'm uh, geographically or top what do they call it topography Topological science. <laughs> Top logos. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some things can just set some stuff off and it just yeah. doesn't sit well. And mm-hmm. uh, you don't want puking babies all the time. You know, oh, man. Um, so we moved up to Seattle. So here's the here's the crazy thing. This is like a little bit of the magic that I feel like um, was present in that moment in time. My pops was working at Denny's. Um, in LA somewhere in LA where we were living and he got transferred he asked for a transfer up to the Pacific Northwest and he got transferred to one in this little neighborhood of Seattle called Ballard uh, which is a little Norwegian village it's kind of its own little quirky thing Um, it was when we moved in there like uh, pretty working class like a lot of brown people uh, of various you know uh, creeds and otherwise and it was um, dope Uh, he start he so as you have heard by me saying pop, pops is at Denny's he would work in like you know early shift and doing the management and the um cooking and doing you know was a server and did all the things that was needed to be done um he wasn't you know and my family in general weren't like the sort of brown people that are like like the professional class right like the lawyers or the engineers or the doctors or the dentists or whatever the fuck and um there's a sense of like you know, I, I, I appreciate that part of my story a ton because I, um, I didn't know a lot of people who looked like me, I think because of that, right? Like a lot of people didn't end up like within the city of Seattle proper, um, who were Brown in the nineties, ended up in the East side, like, um, uh, a different, you know, different neighborhoods and suburbs, Renton, Bellevue, Kirkland, that kind of thing. And, um, and I realized only later that, because of where we landed in Ballard, uh, we lived two blocks away from what would be my elementary school, Adams Elementary. And that elementary school happened to be um, an elementary school that was an art, arts-rich elementary school. Shout out to Miss Nielsen, the principal uh, at the time, who um, I only found out this like a few months ago um, after reading like actually a Creative Advantage report, <laughs> wild, that like arts, that arts had been a, 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 a central tenant of Adams Elementary to build community and build the school community and, and family community for a long time and really bring people together and all the different cultures um, that were present in the neighborhood at that time. So everything from like Somali to Vietnamese to Korean to, you know, brown people like me, Pakistani to um 
um, to folks who who were from around the way, Norwegian, <laughs> whatever the hell, right? So, um, uh, and and we that that school did the same art project uh, throughout all the grade levels. So everybody was making the same thing or had the same experience or like was doing mm-hmm. kind of a similar thing and sharing similar stories. Um, and there was always, you know, diversity days and like days where we're like wearing our ethnic cultural garb and doing like lion dances and like, you know, all sorts of things. And, and like the hot, the haka and like all sorts of things. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I didn't know that at the time that like it was just a random occurrence that we just ended up in this space that had a dope ass elementary school that was really into the arts right and um if it wasn't for that I don't know how the fuck my life would have ended up right like it could have just gone down the path of you know you got to get a job that pays some money because none of us had any money growing up and you're our only chance (laughs) you know like all that right and which you know not to say that didn't happen to an extent too but um I, uh, it was, it just highlights for me, like the randomness that's in, um, how we end up where we are, right? Those little experiences and little things you can't control. How do you control your environment without controlling your environment, right? Like, um, you don't really actually, and you just kind of take advantage of what you have. Um, but I'm glad I did because throughout, you know, my life and living up and living in Seattle and in in the Ballard neighborhood, it was, uh, it was a good time. And we were an art switch community and I, it was hella random. And many people in South Seattle at the same damn time did not have access to arts education, right. Did not have access to um, creative youth development or even instruments in the music classes or, uh, or a PTA that could afford any of that extra, you know, halftime elementary school teacher or whatever it was. Right. Like, um, so I'm so grateful <laughs> like at the, at, at the baseline that we just, I just ended up where I ended up because in that neighborhood too, there was a library um, that I used to go to for all my AP Euro homework when I was a high schooler. And in that library, I saw a flyer for um, this organization called Teen Ticks. Uh, I was like 14 at the time and, and they were like, yo, $5 tickets to any arts event in town, um, day of show from like the symphony to the opera, to the ballet, to... Yes. Um, I was like, what? This can't be real. So I just logged on as you do at the library as I was ripping CDs from the, um, from the collection and, uh, and signed up, got this little key fob in the mail that I was supposed to just show to these box offices and let them um, accept me for who I was and what I was wearing and, and uh, the people who were around me at the time and uh, go see some, dope ass art without even knowing what what it was right like we were in a family that grew up even though I had that dope ass arts education in elementary school we didn't go to like museums like uh, on weekends Um, we didn't go like the you know to Shakespeare or theater or any sort of performances really um uh we were just like you know doing our thing and so this was my only real window into the sort of sexy world of like Mm, donor walls and uh free coffee in the lobby and uh you know dressing up for no reason and you know just living that um life where you're trying to just get out of your (laughs) day-to-day life you know that little escape uh and it was nice to have and I grew uh, I grew closer with a group of friends who were just into that you know doing that we and that shaped you know part of who I ended up being too was the type of folks I found through that program and um I took a writing class with that program that made me sort of believe in like my voice and, and how my perception of the things uh, I saw were valid. And all of those things contributed to, in addition to like a dope ass arts education in high school where I uh, studied photography and, um, and was super stoked about like become a photojournalist one day. Um, all of that was, uh, was part of my journey. And so when I was looking for a college, I was like, okay, I guess I should do something that makes my family some money. Um, but I can also um, maybe do something that makes my heart happy or like, you know, explores the interests that I now have. And arts administration actually came up as a major on collegeboard.com back in 2007 when I was looking for majors. Uh, and it slowed me down and asked and made me ask some questions. And um I applied to a bunch of school schools in which they, you know, they offered that, that thing, uh, the sort of like half a thing in business, half a thing in art, kind of putting mm-hmm. it together with some glue in the middle. And um, I ended up in Staten Island, New York. I did not meet Quanis Floyd then, um, unfortunately. <laughs> Shout out to Quanis from Staten Island, uh, now in, in, in DC. Um, 
And I was, yeah, this little, little school called Wagner College in Staten Island, New York. Uh, and um, I ended up being super close to the city. And I lived in the city uh, the last couple of years I was there and um, was always in the city doing internships because I had to like get my shit together to get a job after college. That was like the only thing my parents asked me to do. And um, it was a recession, right? So nobody was getting jobs. So I had to stack my resume and I had like crazy internships in college. Where was, where was the place that you interned? I was like, okay, so the Museum of American Finance on Wall mm-hmm. Street. Oh. Shout, out to, shout out to Alexander Hamilton, um, who was our patron saint back in the day. And many more people found out about a little bit later. I felt good about being on the ground floor of Alexander Hamilton, um, which dude still owns slaves. Terrible dude. But, you yeah. know, uh, what are we going to do? Um, yeah, the Museum of American Finance was a fun one. I got to like be in every single department for like a few, you know, a few weeks and like rotate. And you know, that was a cute little internship program. And um, met some good friends there. I still have to this day. Um, shout out to Kelly O'Brien and all the others. And then I was, you know, in the middle. I was at a bunch of public parks. Actually, I was at Union Square Partnership, helping them with their Thursdays, summer in the square Thursdays, where they did like kids programs in the day, yoga in the morning, and. Um, you know, uh, a beautiful concert at night um, for anybody who was around. In Union Square? Yeah, Union Square Partnership on Thursdays. And this was like mm, 2010, maybe. Um, and then I was at Madison Square Park Conservancy, which is that, that mm-hmm. bougie park across from the Flatiron Building. And they have this art program where um, they just put up, you know, art sculptures. Or- Why is that one so bougie? They have this fucking conservancy. <laughs> This organization that runs them is run, but is, you know, is one of those like self-imposed taxes that you put on the neighborhood so that it can have a nice park and that you can close it at night and have some security guards to let the homeless people. Wait, you're talking about, you're talking about Madison Square Park or Gramercy Park? Come on, Madison Square Park. I'm sure Gramercy Park has a similar thing though. Because there's, there's a park, I think. That one's a very much like a wall. That's like, you need a key to get into it, which is like, what's that all about? This is just like at night. You know, they close their oh, gates at night. Madison Square Park does. Um, and they have security. And you can't smoke weed there, oh. night, let's just say. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't no, you know, it ain't no Union Square Park. I'll tell you what. No. Union Square is a very different place. <laughs> but yeah, I was working for their arts, you know, their art installation programs, doing the little like. They have cool uh, installations there. Yeah. Yeah. They're like giving out pamphlets and answering questions and doing some economic development work inside, like getting all the businesses nearby, like what they needed to to promote and to um, and to like learn about what they need their needs are and how the company could meet their needs and all sorts of fun mm-hmm. things. Um, Aperture Magazine, uh, which you know Aperture Foundation's a nonprofit photo photography uh, foundation, and 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 they make books and magazines um, all about photography. I was there for a while uh, during my or capstone internships in your year and it was dope again youngest person in the room like these are people who are like not making money after college and i'm like still in college still can do an unpaid internship it's fine but the amount of privilege that was um that was that was in those rooms i still i didn't really realize i didn't understand until i was back in seattle learning about um the racial equity work and um that i've been up, up to since and um yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know until I reflected upon like, oh shit, this is, this is crazy. I'm glad I was able to get my shit done while still having my room and board uh, like covered, right? Like budgeted for. Right. <laughs> so yeah, yeah and then a, I, uh, a issue. <laughs> it is, and, and, and it was right around then that that conversation was happening about like, hey, maybe we should not do that anymore. But like, yeah. but yeah, the recession had kind of gone away and nobody really went back to the way that things were and, um, whatever it was, a good old boys. Um, but I uh, couldn't, after all that, I couldn't even find a job in New York. Cause again, you have to like, in the, in the art sector, at least you gotta know somebody who knows somebody. And I, as many yeah. people as I knew, um, and as many voracious networking situations I was in, um, as many of the, uh, the art openings in Chelsea, where I used to just like, you know, get plastered before I was 21, like all that, none of that helped me get a fucking job after college. So I had to move back to Seattle and, uh, and it was all good though. Found a job pretty close right away. We worked at the Henry art gallery, shout out to contemporary art museum on the UW campus, the Henry. And, um, it was fine. Um, white lead institution felt like a hospital sometimes. Cause it was so mm. like, 
you know, art and museums is so like controlled and like temperature and all sorts of, you know, like all yeah. sorts of things. So, but I found the homies up in the front, right? The people who work at the front desk, the people who are the gallery guards, like those are the homies. Mm-hmm. So that's what's up. That's who you hang out with. And so, um, it was, it was wild to learn my, to sort of develop my chops there and, uh, and find out about like, whoa, what's the system? Like, what is this, what is this uh, profession that I'm in now? You know, um, I never actually thought I'd be in the nonprofit arts, funny enough, because um, in New York, there's a lot of for-profit arts, like Broadway, right? Like the stuff that you're yeah. in, um, but I'm yeah. sure there's like nonprofit arms and all that kind of stuff that exists. And Lincoln Center is like a big old thing, but it's still nonprofit technically. So it just feels different. Yeah. I was just, uh, uh kicking up dirt and um had like three jobs you know that was the hustle i kept kept hustling um slaying coffee slaying brunch while also like being a house manager at a contemporary performance space called on the Mm -hmm. boards um where i met tina lapadula she's on the board there Mm -hmm. and um yeah uh got to know a bunch of the donors and like uh the seattle sort of arts patrons and the community who, who who were benefited by them and um, and those are the people I met at the Henry too, because I was in development. I was the mar- membership person. It was my thirst for like knowing that there's more, right? There's more out there, and that there that I couldn't just do this while while starving. You know, like I got a hustle. My 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 focus has always been on sustainability. You know, and sustainability comes from. Uh, comes from like hopping uh and 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 hustling right like or and if you're not hustling then you're at least getting to a place where you can get you can breathe a little easier so the minute i started having just one job like my shit was like much much healthier right and that's the kind of stuff that i feel like in new york was never really something that was uh, i could have embraced even if i wanted to right it was just like uh let's 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 move through the floor right like right. let's let's dance through the night floor night nightclub and 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 come out the other side and keep going um here it is yeah in the time i've been able to um to grow and develop and and sharpen and all the folks who have you know mentored me and, and led me through and given me chances along the way like they are the ones who have who've made sure that i kept fed right like all along the way, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked to have been a, like there for them and they there for me. Right. Like, like it's reciprocation. And it's also like, I'm a likable dude. And I, and I, and I try to give back, you know, cause like I, I feel other people's love of me without doing shit. And I just feel a need to like give back. And I think people recognize and want to support, you know, and just trust in it, you know, the some sort of blind faith um that that i'm afforded and i and i like am so so grateful and i and to make sure i never you know take that for granted mm-hmm. i just put in 110 percent. i think i see a lot of that hustle but it's but the payout maybe it will always be different right for whoever it is the hustle mm-hmm. the, the the means to the hustling end you know uh it's different for everybody right and so i need to sort of remind myself not to judge just because somebody didn't do it like me doesn't mean it's not valid right so um that's something i've learned along the way as well i've never worked in a museum and i it's not specifically of of interest to me though i do like going to museums but i i often am like i don't understand i don't understand if you're (laughs) <laughs> from a work perspective. I do love that opinion. I yeah, appreciate I your vulnerability. But I understand theater though, so I don't I don't know why I don't understand museums. Well, it's a different vibe. Oh my god. I'd like the energy in those well, rooms. It, the sorry, where I was going, where I was going with this was um you're right, it is a different vibe. My favorite, my favorite museum is Brooklyn Museum because it feels mm. Like Vibrant. there isn't a, yes. as much of a divide between the people who work there and the patrons. Let me ask you this kind of question. How can justice be the engine? Mm. Whoa. Is it not already the engine? <laughs> That's assuming that it's not already the engine. Uh, or or is it less of an engine than it is the um the compass or the 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 navigator, right? Like the GPS. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, talking about justice is like talking about like air, right? Like we all need it and want it 
and mm. at the same time it's uh it's like damn hard to find in some parts of the of the world right and yeah. um and error maybe is not the best metaphor but like you know it's uh fresh you know fresh water or whatever it is right like right. Um, but there it's um I, it's all about like proximity, right? Like, I feel like for me, I've been blessed to have been in a space with proximity to minds that have liberated my own, um, minds that have supported my growth and my, 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 I don't know, other people would call it radicalization, but I think just like wokeness, right? Being um, a little more aware, hyper aware almost mm-hmm. um, of the injustices that do occur. And yet, um, we all have work to do right like for me i'm still like figuring out a way to like intervene if some weird shit's going down in public like yesterday there was some like somebody was getting kicked out of a bar and um and i didn't intervene and i and i didn't know what to do and i felt just i just like i just like froze and so shit i got work to do bro like (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. so um for me justice is is like is like uh uh gosh, it's like, um, it's like a recipe, right? Like you have to put, you have to put in the work and have all the right ingredients. And sometimes it takes a while to, to, to make those ingredients. Right. Sometimes you have to like grind up that flour, a very specific type of, you know, grind, um, for it to come out, uh, as fluffy on the other side. Um, and I think we're just still all working on the recipe. Like it was just never going to actually get to the best place it can be, um, mm-hmm. because it's, constantly taste is constantly evolving like your standards are constantly evolving what you can or cannot uh take anymore uh is constantly shifting um and oscillating um but i don't know for me it's it's recognizing that like ain't nobody's got an a plus um and even the folks that do um are performing right like and I I, one of my greatest fears is like how do I not just perform this and but be this right like how do I do how do I not just like talk about it but be about it just like we were talking about like my greatest fear is like to not fucking be in it you know like and like what other people think about you isn't actually what you should be focusing on what I should be focusing on what I should be focusing on is what what is am I doing the right thing all the time like am I am I making the right call am I using my judgment uh, and is my values driving that judgment um and if not like let's think about it let's talk about it um but is it for me is it like will I will I ever know I'm actually it's just further and further down this mind hole right like will I ever know (laughs) is it enough right so uh I just try to like stay 100% to like as simple as I can the simplest I can be is is this seem just does this seem right am I doing the right thing what is right you know and constantly refining what right is um, for me it seems to be a little bit easier than just like staring down that hole <laughs> that we just talked about how about you yeah I I appreciate I think the naming of things is is helpful and and understanding that I have a responsibility in those things, whether it's like as, as simple as seeing, you know, seeing something happening on the street that's not right and, and not being a bystander, but actually stepping in and supporting somebody who needs some support, whatever that may be. Like that's a very concrete example of like mm. what feels right. And that is mm. a hard thing to do in New York City, I will admit. Uh, very, very much. Um, yeah. And especially in this time, like in that particular case, like that's also, I'm not outside a lot. So like, I don't know, but, but uh, what can I, what can I do? How can I be right in right relationship with others? Mm-hmm. That's definitely a journey more so for some than others, but yeah. that's a constant and that doesn't, that will never stop. Right. Like, because of the shifting that will happen. And and sometimes I get a little, uh, maybe self-righteous and I I need Mm. to work on that. Um, And then sometimes I might get defensive and my ego might come into play and I need to learn how to, you know, push her aside and be like, this isn't about you, you know, Mm. those kinds of moments. Mm. Um, 
Yes. And yeah, I, I, I find that if I focus on the things that I do have the ability, like I know I can, I can impact change, whether that's by stepping out of the way and allowing space for others to, to, to lead Mm. or, you know, asking a big provocative question of a group that nobody has like, can't answer right away, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but that that's going to ring around your head for a while. You know, it's those kinds of things and pushing myself, um, uh, you know, to, to, to do not more necessarily, but to not sit back. Yeah. Um, to educate, to learn, to say like, oh, I don't know what this is. I, I should read about this. I don't know what that is. I don't understand that. Let me do some more research. Like just taking those steps to, to go past the comfort zone is one, is like one, one way. But then, yeah, when you said, you know, like I asked myself if, if this is right. And I think the thing that, that was a sort of a breakthrough moment here was I want to I want to, I, uh, I don't want to dismiss the quote unquote outliers. I want to center that mm. more than perhaps I, I or more overtly than I mm-hmm. think I have been doing. Yeah. I love that. So that's Those outliers have that story, yeah. dude, that story. They totally do. Yeah. Right. And we need to hear that story. And we need to hear that story and we need to believe that story. Boom. And then we got to do something to, to address the injustices that are likely in that story. Yeah. Yeah. Because likely that's not the only person who's experienced those injustices. Likely they're a representative and likely um, many people will feel comfortable after you've addressed those injustices this has been so fun i so appreciate you opening the space up and this meandering conversation that we got uh, to have i learned a lot as well i wrote down some good ones i'm going to use that word bristle uh, that you used earlier i love that (laughs) one of many takeaways yay well have a good evening you're you're hours behind me um have a good nice uh dinner enjoy be well take care breathe oh yeah i'm going to bed it's fine um yeah breathe deeply and and you know send that same beautiful energy that you send out back to yourself oh i needed to hear that thank you thank you thank you thank you cjb can't wait till we talk again yes all right all right Thank you for listening to episode 48, act two of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body, Ashraf Hasham, Justice is the GPS. Join us next time for a conversation with Mauricio Salgado. This podcast is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the director of creative content. Jono Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org and head to the pod shop at the top of the page for merch. Twitter us at TA underscore artistry, the gram at teaching artistry with CJB. And now on YouTube, check out the teaching artistry with Courtney J. Body channel and watch We Can't Go Back. Like our page on Facebook, listen to us on SoundCloud and Spotify, subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life. Let's start it up now.